Welcome to Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline, the podcast. If you're one of the people who have stopped by our blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com, thanks for reading and for finding us here. If this is the first time you've heard of us, we're glad you found the podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jacqueline. So today we're here talking about Ian Reed's book, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And we're also going to talk about the movie a little bit. It just came out on Netflix, and we're going to do a little bit of a comparison between the book and the movie. This is a tough book to give a quick summary on, so Kelly's going to read the reviews from the back cover. We have the paperback version um, to help us kind of sum it up succinctly. Right, because I just couldn't figure out where to start when I was thinking about a summary. Um, First of all, I want you all to know that it's an NPR Best Book of the Year for 2016, and it was also named Year's Best in Literary Fiction by the Notable Books Council, so it's got some pretty good reviews. But the best review is from Charlie Kaufman. And he says, an ingeniously twisted nightmare road trip through the fragile psyches of of two young lovers. My kind of fun. A creepy yet enthralling new novel by NPR's Weekend Edition. Um, I think both of them pretty much sum up the book, especially about the road trip, because that could be taken a couple ways based on what happens in the book. So, um, yeah, Um, we'll in more detail, we'll go through what we think about the book, but that's just a short summary of it. And it's interesting that Charlie Kaufman wrote one of these little blurbs because he's the director of the Netflix film. So (laughs) apparently he loved it so much he needed to take it to screen. So great. Um, Okay, so our drink today is a little unusual for such a dark book, but we decided because the book was pretty intense and also we're recording this much earlier in the day than we're used to. Yes, we are. We went with pineapple orange mimosas. (laughs) So... Cheers, cheers to episode five. Cheers. And uh, I have to say, I did a pretty good job mixing oh, these up. It's tasty. They're a little heavier on the tasty. on the champagne than normal, but it's good. Oh, so. you think so? Mm-mm. So anyway, so we're going with pineapple orange today. Um, before we get into too much about the book, um, I do want to tell you this is one of those where we're gonna we're gonna definitely talk the book all the way through. So. Spoiler alert coming. Uh, keep listening for a few more minutes, but um, we we are gonna we are gonna talk about all parts of this and and how the book ends. So coming up, we're gonna talk about spoilers. But before we get to those, we do want to talk about what we're reading right now, so that you don't have to go forward in the podcast to try to guess where we're gonna discuss those titles. So Kelly, what are you reading right now? I am currently reading, and it is the best book, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Oh my gosh. I'm almost to the end. I was just reading it before we started this, and it's just so good. I can't put it down. It's one of those. And Grady Hendrix also wrote Horror Store. It's the Ikea version. Oh, right, 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 right. So, you know, that book was a little cheesy. This is, like, really good. That's the one that looks like an Ikea catalog? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, one, that, that then, looked, it looked like it was going to be good. And then I have two books that I just picked up from the... So my holds are from the library are starting to come in. And so it's like they all happen to come in at oh, one sure. time, right? So I also have The Black Swan of Paris by Karen Robarts and The Hideaway by Nora Roberts. And I'm still working on Hello, Summer by Mary Kay Andrews. But that's because I own that book, and I have to read these other ones because they're yeah. due back in the library. <laughs> so I keep putting that one back on the burner when I don't have anything to read. So it's so. nothing against MKA. No, it's not like, at all. <laughs> it has more to do with due dates. Exactly. Got it. Okay, so I just picked up uh, Carnegie's Maid by Marie Benedict um, on Cloud Library for Book Club, which is coming up 
sooner than I was ready for. Um, a reading angle of repose by Wallace Stegner. I just got a short story. Um, I'm a Prime member, and Amazon Prime offers free reading in, oh. in some cases. And Taylor Jenkins Reid, who wrote Daisy Jones and the Six and oh, yeah, Seven yeah. Lessons of Evelyn Hugo, had a short story on there called Evidence of the Affair, which was pretty good. That took me like 15 minutes, but it was really, it was, it's all written in letters between two people who find out that their spouses are cheating on them with each other. So, and then oh, <laughs> appropriately, Jen Lancaster, who I talked about on the last episode, wrote a new book called Welcome to the United States of Anxiety. And oh. <laughs> so that just came out. Well, it's due out October 1st, but again, through um, Amazon First Reads, it was a choice this month. So I'm delving into that one. And um, yeah, it's speaking to a lot of people right now, I have to tell you. So, okay. So that's what we're reading now. We're going to tell you later about what we're choosing for next podcast. And in the meantime, from this point forward, spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so if you haven't read the book and you haven't seen the movie, stop listening. Yes. And then come back and finish this after you have done one or both of those things. Yes. Okay. okay. What did you think of this? Okay. So <laughs> I read this book um, a couple years ago. Okay. And I was so confused. Yes. And I, and just, I mean, I, I knew what was going to happen because you just know technically by the title. But then... Then, then when you start reading the chapter, you don't. You think, well, maybe that's not what's going to happen because you think maybe she's just going to end with the boyfriend, right? Because it's it's written from a female perspective. I mean, you're it's the female girlfriend's viewpoint, right? right? Okay. So, and then I watched the movie, and I thought, oh, a little bit of clarity. I actually got a little bit of clarity. Did you? I did. <laughs> I did. I got a little bit of clarity because things started making sense to me. Um, The disjointedness in the uh, dinner scene where like the clothes were changing, the stories were changing. It was like, it's like, stop and and start over again because he didn't like the way the story was presenting itself. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, Oh, that's very insightful because I did not get that <laughs> That's that scene. What I that got. scene just made me really uncomfortable. But, <laughs> but it did. No, I didn't get that, but that makes sense. Okay. It's like the story wasn't the way the, the narrator, the, the narrator okay. was envisioned. So they would stop the story and he would restart because the mom came out in a different dress. And oh, yeah. And then the girlfriend came out in a different dress. And then, you know, or they would be at a different age. Like, you know, it was just like, the mom's on her deathbed or the dad has dementia or whatever. So anyway, that's that's what I took that as being. Okay. That makes so, sense. Okay. Yeah. See, that's where I got a little bit of clarity. And Good then, for you. <laughs> I did not get that. <laughs> now, I do have to say that I cheated just a little bit. And I went and looked at what the director had to say about the things. And that offered a little bit more clarity, sure. too. So, But it just reinforced what I was thinking okay. about the movie. Um so and then the then I went back and just reread the book and that even offered more clarity. OK, so you watched the movie first and then went back and reread the book. Yeah. Oh, I did the other way. OK. Yeah. yeah. So I just maybe thought, I should have done your way. <laughs> well, so I read the book two years ago, okay. watched the movie, went back mm-hmm. and reread the book. OK, so I've read the book twice. And okay. somewhere in here, like one of the reviews does say that you should um, read it more than once. Multiple readings. Oh, 
and I and I just read that today when I was looking to see how to summarize this. Summarize this, but um, yeah, it did say that. So, um, so here's my thing. Okay. In a nutshell, this is all happening in Jake's mind in a very short time period, right before he. Okay, spoiler. Here's the spoiler. He kills himself. He's at the school, ready to kill himself, and he's going through his life in his mind before he does it. That's my take on it. Is it also that when he kills himself in the school, he's much older than Absolutely. the time frame that we're reading in Absolutely. this story? Okay. Yeah, because he's he's he's, he's making, the custodian, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And he's making it up. So I had to break it down. Truce in this story. <laughs> Truce. Okay. So to cut out all the layers, he did work in a lab. He's very smart. Yes. He has a PhD. Agreed. At one point, he worked in a lab. Agreed. He lost his job. Okay. Okay. He was extremely shy and introverted as a child. Very socially awkward. Um, he did not engage from people from a very young age. He lived in his mind a lot. He didn't have any friends. He was alone, especially after his parents died. Some type of mental illness. Yep. It ran in the family, whether the mom had it and then he had it but some time of mental illness. Um, So he's alone for... Okay, he did meet that girl for real. Yes. That was a real thing, but it never transitioned into any type of a girlfriend. Truth. You're right. No relationship. Right. And so when he's in the school contemplating suicide or getting ready to do, he's flashbacking in his mind, what would it have been like if I would have had somebody and... And it would have gone with this girlfriend and had this girlfriend, would she have made a difference in my life? So he's flashbacking on his life and seeing what might have changed. Would he be on this same path? Okay. That's my whole take yeah. of the book. If you take out all the other stuff in there, that is my take of the book. Yeah. And I, he, I agree with most of that. Yeah. If you guys could, you can't see us, but if you could, you would see the sort of look of, oh, yeah, on my face right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you just said are in the notes that I had about this. Um, I did think it was, well, first of all, I did think um, that the movie and the book, for the at least the first half, the, fir- the car ride to the farm, the dialogue stayed pretty oh. true, right? Oh, absolutely. Their conversations were they were kind of all over the place, but they were very philosophical and 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 the the actually the exact words in some cases were oh, used in the movie from the book. The very first when she first gets in the car. Yeah. Oh, no. The very first chapter of the book is exactly how the movie starts. Yeah. It's I'm thinking of anything. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And like you, when I picked the book up and it's this very the covers like very dark and dismal and and like things are crossed out and i thought okay immediately this is a book about someone who is thinking about ending their life or their their not their lives their life and then when she starts talking about oh i'm thinking of ending things referring to and i thought oh okay i got duped this is just a really good cover and (laughs) now it's going to be how this relationship devolves and then kind of that's true because what you're saying that he lived in his head and i'm thinking that he had, like, there were multiple personalities in a... So... Do you think? Well, so, okay. I wrote this down, too. Okay. So, at the end of the book, on page 201, mm-hmm. he talks about she, he, we, me. Okay. And he talks about 
All of us are here in this school, nowhere else. So I think, I don't think there were multiple personalities. Okay. I'm thinking there was she, the girlfriend that he was Imagined. imagining. Okay. There was he, who was Jake as a young boy. Mm-hmm. There was we, as in all of them together, and then there was just him. Okay. So okay. is that a... Yeah, I guess I guess I was trying to determine after like once I got to the end of it, was he was was he having all this inner dialogue with himself or was he imagining like like you talked about having this person as part of his life and he was right. outwardly projecting that. So I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think and I, I feel like I did read something with the author that said he was intentionally unclear about that. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Um I did think it was noteworthy Going back to the movie about how the 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 girl's appearance and it's first of all it's noteworthy that we never really know what her name is. No, even no. in the I went to IMDb to look up some stuff about this, and even in the credits, she's only credited as like young woman. I thought though in the movie, like somebody said her name like three eight. different names. Yes, yes, Lucy, yes, Louisa, Lucia. Yeah, yes. We never really know what her name is, and in the book, he calls her by a name. Does he? He does. Like Why right after they're that? having, uh, right after they're having, he calls her Steph, which was his girlfriend as a young. Supposedly, oh right. Like, now that you know whether did he really have that girlfriend? Well, right, because that right. would have been a high school girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So we well, we don't really know what her name is. No. Okay. No. So I do think so. We'll just call her Young Woman. I do think that Young Woman. It was interesting that when her appearance was changing throughout the movie, that it was just subtle in a lot of cases. It wasn't right. dramatic. Right. But, like, the sw- her the color of her sweater would change or the print of the dress would change. Her hair would change. But then at one point, when they're in the car going home from the farm, it's a completely different actress. Did you notice that? I did not. Yeah. she. I, I'm pretty sure. I probably should have gone rewound and gone back. But it was, I'm pretty sure it was a whole different person in the front seat of the car, which... Interesting. Felt like a big leap after it was just these subtle changes, and then suddenly she's a whole different individual, you know, a whole well, different Well, you know, actress. it's interesting. I wrote down um, one thing. Um, he says at one point where your memory is just fiction. Oh, yeah. You're right. And so that's that's what this whole, it's his memory or what he, well, he doesn't really have half of these memories. He makes them up. But, but if you think about how you tell a story way back and when, it's. It could be accurate. It could be not. It could, and, ev- <laughs> and every time you tell a story, you get better at it. Well, right. right. The and details get more honed. Right. And, yeah. Right. So I just thought that was an interesting thing that I picked up on. And I thought, well, here you are telling a story of your life that it is pretty much fiction. Yeah. Or kind of like a wishful fiction. Yeah. That's a genre. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Whatever you're hoping for. Fantasy fiction. Yes. Um. So a couple more things about... Before we get to the ending, ending of it, um, Jesse Plemons, who plays Jake, mm-hmm. is a powerhouse. Like, I love watching him act. Um, I was a big fan of Friday Night Lights when it was on TV, and he was in that. And I really liked Fargo, and he's in that. And did you know he was in Drunk History? I did not. The inspiration for this very show. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know that he is who I envisioned based on the description no, of the narrator. No, because I was going back. Because the way they describe him in the book, he's this very thin, and Jesse was not thin. No, and he and I feel like did she use in the book? Did the young woman narrator describe him as like 
as handsome, but in maybe like a non-traditional way. And she was talking about like angular facial features. And he just, I'm not saying anything against him. I thought he did a great job in this. And he's a terrific actor. But I also am not, so I didn't envision him, but I'm also not sure who I envisioned. Well, (laughs) I I don't know who I would have cast. So there's that. Yeah. But he, he did a great job. But he, yeah, he wasn't necessarily who I thought. But Jesse Buckley, who plays the young woman, needs to be in all the movies. I think she's so good. Um, she was in Wild Rose some time ago where she plays an Irish woman who wants to be a, like a Nashville star. And so it's a kind of a it's not a coming of age story because that's wrong. Oh. But she's she's doing her very best to like get discovered. Huh. So what would you call that? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Like a, a, a rising star, star story, story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So I think she did a great job, you know, speaking to those actors. But And, and I don't know, honestly, that she is who I would have envisioned either, but I think they both did really well. Oh, I thought they did super really well. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a one-man show, two-man show. Well, and so much of it just takes place in the front seat of that car. Well, right, and the dialogue, you know, it's all about dialogue. Yes. You know? So. And, and... There's a lot of, and maybe you don't think this, but I think there's a lot of, like, internal dialogue that happens in this book. And yes, they do the voiceover stuff in the movie, but I feel like they both did a pretty good job of conveying their discomfort with those conversations when they got a little awkward through their physical acting. Right. Is that what that's called? Physical acting? Yeah. I guess. So credit to them for displaying being able to display those feelings through just like shifting around in the seats of the car and and yeah. facial expression. I thought the whole I thought the whole movie was extremely awkward and uncomfortable. Agreed. All characters. I mean the dinner scene where he meet where they go to his parents farm that's just out of this world i I was delighted to see tony collette though oh she was fabulous (laughs) yeah oh those just the weird big huge smiles and the uncomfortable laughs and yeah that one was the more but the whole even being in the front seat of the car it was just Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable to watch them both yeah especially because when initially when you think she's thinking about breaking up with him like you sort of like is this the thing that's going to come out of his mouth that she's going to go ugh right. I'm out and right. then when you figure out what's actually happening you're like right. oh okay right it's weirder <laughs> right i don't know much about the director but i have friends who are fans of this director and evidently this is what to expect with charlie kaufman hmm. so i don't know anything else about sort of the beginning and middle cuz i i need to get to the end yeah no i'm, I'm good with okay. the beginning and the middle yeah yeah All right so you already mentioned this. So in the book, we know, and we sort of, are, and it's confirmed for us through this this third and fourth party who are discussing this incident, right, right? Right. So we know that Jake, or we think that Jake is the custodian at the end who has killed himself like in a closet at the school or something, right? And it's a pretty gruesome description of how it happens. Yes. With, I mean, it's, we won't go into detail here, but it's pretty, it's gruesome. Right. And I thought it was interesting that the director chose to alter how the ending looked. Well, yes. The ending in the movie was quite bizarre, I thought. And much more vague than the book. Yeah. So, so very fantastical. <laughs> following this animated decaying pig, pig. <laughs> as he's walking through the school. I, I mean, I guess... And then it just fades to black, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and... 
I don't know. I mean, I I assume that was intentional. I don't think directors do anything kind of unintentionally right, like right. that. But um, I'm I wonder what the thought process was behind. I mean, other than do you really want to put someone like using no a sharp object no you know on television right, right. but I thought the whole the whole uh, musical. That was super bizarre. Right. Because I, I, and the only place that I could pick that up in the book was like at the end where it just, I want, what does he say at the very end? There's that whole like three pages of, I want this to end. I want this to end. I want this oh, to right. end. Oh, right. It's just the same. Yeah. And I'm over thinking, and over. yeah. No. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What do you, so it's. Yeah. I didn't miss a reference to Oklahoma, the musical in this book somewhere. Did I? Do you remember? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. And I. I guess that's just, we're just supposed to understand that that means that that's where they are. Is that where the farm is? This Oklahoma, and that's why oh. his high school is putting it on in the I, movie, and why it's. I didn't even get, get that. It's this I, whole dance yeah, scene at yeah. the end, and the Tulsi twist ice cream place or whatever yeah. it was called, yeah, yeah. like which in the book is Dairy Queen. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if they changed that just to tie it into oh, the Oklahoma story. Right, right, right. I don't know. Right. They wrote like a whole jingle for it and everything. They so. did. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know what the the importance of it being Oklahoma was, other than to maybe set the set setting. Side, yeah. Um, but to to Jesse Plemons' credit, if he did that singing, he did a great job. Right. On stage. <laughs> well, right. It just but, it was bizarre. I just the whole even with even before the musical part, there was the dance scene of the high schoolers and yeah. with the janitor wandering around type yeah. thing. So I, I didn't get that part. I didn't understand. Have you that. ever seen the Oklahoma movie? No. Okay. Is it there? So there's a lot of, well, obviously there's a lot of dancing. Right. But, um, yeah. Some of the stuff that, that Jake was alluding to sort of ties to the storyline of Oklahoma, if I remember it correctly. Um, and so I think I do think I can't confirm it for sure because it's been a long time since I've watched it. But I'm pretty sure that that dance sequence comes from the play. And I don't know if that's also supposed to represent like his internal struggle. Right. Like I was I didn't dislike the movie. No, I actually liked the movie, except I didn't like the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, not that I would have rather seen a messy, bloody scene, but yeah. it. It left too much unanswered, I suppose, or too much left to interpretation. Well, that's why I went and like read the interview with the director because I'm thinking, okay, I've read this book once, and now I've seen the movie. It seems like I should get something, <laughs> get something <laughs> more out of be it, better. And um, and I was just unsure of my interpretation. And then when I went and I, he was my interpretation was what he had envisioned. So I'm not sure, you know. What I was thinking was what he was thinking. So that put a little, well, I'm not so dumb after all. <laughs> oh, you're, you're not dumb. Just... Uh, but, you know, it's like, but I, I liked the book the second time I okay. read it. Um, I could understand the character, like Jake Moore, and it, understanding that it's all one character. Okay. It's all one person. Yeah. There's not all of these other people. It's just him in his mind. Yeah. Thinking. That was more helpful the second time through. Yeah. I kind of wish I had done what you did and read the book second after yeah. I watched the movie. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I guess I always, <laughs> my theory is I always have to read the book, read the and book you first, know, I guess. So. And at the very end of the book, it mm-hmm. says, and, and I would highly recommend this. It says, um, it talks about he had left a note, right? Okay. 
And it's a lot of pages. It's a, And pretty much it's the book. Right. And whoever, it's the third and fourth party that's talking in the background that is always giving insight or whatever. It says, um, you should read it, but maybe start at the end and circle back. Oh, like that's the prompt <laughs> in the... <laughs> In the note, in the book. Yeah. That's yeah, really like, speaking so to the reader. If you finish, if you started at the end, the be, the book would make sense. Okay. Because you would understand who was actually speaking and what was happening. Yeah. You know? Very clever. It's a clever trick. <laughs> it yeah. is. But you don't, you don't get that till the very last sentence. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we should say, um, we're recording this in September, so I don't know when you, listener, are hearing this, but we're recording in September, which happens to be uh, National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So it, it does feel important after having read this, and, and we're, we're not trying to make light of this topic at all, but it just happened to be that we watched this movie, read this book in September, so it feels like a good time to say, if you or your loved one are in emotional distress, that you should contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. They've got trained counselors available 24-7. Um, so just we want to make sure we mention that because this book was pretty intense. And you hope that if someone had known how Jake was feeling, they would have been able to point him in that direction. So, right. And the, the, only, the whole thing about Jake, though, is like that came out this time after the third rendition of sure <laughs> third was, was the sadness the absolute sadness and aloneness that he had yeah i mean that he had no one and he had no one for years yep because i think they did talk about this just really quickly going back to the story i think that in in the third and fourth party discussion when they're talking about he did work in a lab for a while and that was really maybe like the only time that he was ever like, he didn't engage necessarily with people in the lab, but he at least he was surrounded by people and he wasn't completely on his own at that point. But do you think he got f- fired from that job or did he leave it? At one point, I thought the the third and fourth party yeah. speaking was that he got fired because something like he didn't um, he couldn't engage. I mean, there was maybe you had to do group projects or you had to be okay. on a team or something, and he couldn't do that. That's yeah. the impression I got. And I okay. don't know why I got that impression. But that was really the only part of his life where he was kind of surrounded by other people. Right. All the time. Right. Though you could argue that as a janitor in a high school, he was surrounded by people because he was surrounded by kids. To some extent. Was he there during the day? Well, I thought Most he of the was. the movie shot was at but night. Like, yeah, but I thought, like, I don't know. Maybe he was. He came in at night. But I just thought, I don't know. Either way, give the book a read. Right. Don't, don't be turned off by the movie. Unless you really, if you really, really don't like ambiguous endings and... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really makes you think. Uncomfortable dialogue. Right. So maybe don't watch the movie. But it's not traditionally like a horror movie it's more psychological suspense than yeah give it a shot but i would say you have to watch the movie to see the dinner scene if you don't (laughs) oh i texted kelly while i was watching the scene and she knew exactly which one i was talking about (laughs) like you have to watch that because tony collette was fabulous in that movie and even the dad and i the dad was in harry potter was he not yeah he played uh lupin yes um and they're both great characters. Oh yeah, and I liked them better. I liked them better in the movie than I did in the book. Yeah, yeah. I, they, I didn't they think were literally brought to life. I suppose. Yeah, but. I did. Yeah, I didn't think they came to life in the book at all. You didn't get that sense. But man, they played it to a yeah. T. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. If you're, you know, if you're willing to to be a little weirded out, 
But yeah, but even if you just watch the one dinner scene, it's I, te- I I was watching it and I didn't specify. I texted Kelly and I was like, this movie is very uncomfortable. And she goes, wait till the dinner scene. And I was like, that's what I'm watching. So <laughs> apparently that was the point where everybody kind of went, oh, OK. Yeah, this isn't going to get better. All right. Right. OK. Yeah. So, so and that, yeah, that whole farmhouse thing was creepy, too. Yeah. So it's creepy, creepy and creepy and psychological. And it's like suspenseful because you don't know where it's where where it's going, where it's leading to. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of times you're thinking, you know, there's one time in the movie that, you know, she sees the basement with the scratches on the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tries to prevent her and she goes through anyway, right? Doesn't she go through anyway? Later. Later. It's not at that yes. moment. He's yes. like, he physically yeah. stops her from so going you're like, Yeah. It's just like a horror movie. No, don't, yeah, go, don't go in, in the, the basement. basement. No, no. <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, nice job, Charlie Kaufman and Ian Reed working together on that. Uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Both of them. I would. Absolutely. For the next episode, what are we going to read? So I suggest we read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And I'm down because you sounded really oh, excited about that one. So good. <laughs> when we talked about it earlier. So good. So let's discuss that one. Okay. So episode six in a couple weeks. Um, we'll have to. Oh, oh, I know. What did you you suggested a cocktail for us today? What was it called? Oh, Freak Show. It's and, it's a red wine, and uh, it's called Freak Show. And I thought it would have been perfect for this uh, book because it's kind of like a freak show, creepy thing. Okay, but how but about Freak, freak show, show for the vampire book? Well, there we go. Okay, all right. That's so. <laughs> so that's we'll what that. we're. Reading and drinking. Right. So if you want to drink along with us for episode six, get yourself a bottle of Freak Show, red wine, and we'll be back with our review on that. Because you said you haven't had it yet, right? No, the, I the haven't. Wine? Okay. Yeah, I haven't tried So it we'll yet. be back with a review of the title one more time. Say it. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Okay. By Grady Hendrix. So we'll be back with that, with Freak Show Wine. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us here. Stop by the blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com for content in between episodes. Take care, everybody. See ya. See ya.